and I've already had the biggest setback in my life, which was going to prison, being away from family and friends for four years, to mm. getting out and starting from nothing, but knowing that I'm going to succeed. Schools nowadays, they don't teach what I think they should teach and still in the kids. And I don't like how now 150, 200 doesn't sound like a lot of money anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just because social media kind of glamorize entrepreneurship and only the ones that make like a mil plus a year, it's highlighted. Right. And it makes the rest of people that are on the come up feel like shit. I had put a check written out for $100,000 on uh, my refrigerator written to my wife for a Christmas present in the year of 20, the year I got out, 2020. I got out with nothing. I had $400. And by the end of the year, I had, you know, purchased her a car that was a little over that. But now, mm -hmm. you know, that, and without even knowing that came, that was in my mind. I saw it every day on the fridge and that was something I was able to give her. Hey right. guys, welcome back to another episode of Fit and Frugal. My name is Tani. You can find me on IG at Tanasaurus. Uh, today I have here with me my friend Aaron. Hello. Oh, he how covered are up his boobs. Aw. Uh oh. He's wearing a very deep low cut. <laughs> How's it going? Pull it down, man. <laughs> just yeah. pull it down for the views, bro. Right, right. You know, this is the part. You introduce yourself professionally. Got it. My yeah. name's Aaron Lambert. I'm here locally in Vegas. Uh, Real estate investor, entrepreneur, have uh, several companies right now. And yeah, just here to learn a little bit more about uh, Miss Tani and her operation and <laughs> see if y'all could, uh, um, yeah, maybe we could talk about, I don't know what we want to talk about. <laughs> what, do you, so, what do you want to do when you grow? Okay, anyways. Yeah. No, um, what really fascinates me, I was having a conversation before this with another like serial entrepreneur mm -hmm. and we were talking about mindset. And having a lot of not only grit, but sunk cost fallacy, right? Mm -hmm. It's because I think you yourself know, I think this is supposed to be closer. As an entrepreneur going into entrepreneurship, there's a lot of misguidance on social media, especially on what entrepreneurship really is and how much money is actually involved. Right. And with your background and how many years you've been investing in yourself, where do you think that cost kind of sits and why do you think people want to quit? Why do people want to quit? Yeah. Well, where the cost sits, I mean, I've spent, <clears throat> I've spent thousands of dollars on courses and stuff to try to understand business and systems and operations. And uh, as it pertains to mindset, you know, I, I don't think I have the best mindset. <laughs> why is that? <laughs> because, or maybe it's just not uh, consistent. I think a lot of times I get in my head because I get overwhelmed at building out a business and not building it out properly, which is why I've spent money on courses and stuff, and then I get inundated with the everyday operations of running a business and don't fall back on the systems and processes. But the systems and processes that I have put in place because of the courses and material that I've bought in the past have also have, you know, done wonders in my uh, business, but mindset, I know every day mindset is key. Like I've been talking a lot about within myself and friends and family and coworkers that we have a vision, right? Mm -hmm. And our mindset is set on that vision. And in that aspect, the, the vision of where we want to go as for our 
family goals, for our business goals, you know, all the goals and not only just having them in our head, but writing them down so we can see and then we can measure them each and every day. That's something that I've been learning over the past year, that mindset is huge, thinking about what it is that you want to do and then working towards that, having the positive mindset if that's where you're going with it. Yeah, I always feel like I compare it to having a nice car, but it's parked, right? And the Mm -hmm. mindset is like the fuel, which is 90% of it. Like you can sit in there, put as much knowledge, which is the gasoline as possible in a car. But if you don't put your foot on the gas pedal, you're not really going to go anywhere. Or if you're too scared, I think the break would be like the fear. And you're like stepping all of your feet on all of the pedals just because you're unaware, even if it's a manual or automatic or something. Why did this turn into a car analogy? But right. but if you the longer you sit in a parked car, the less you're actually going to get to any destination. Yeah. But the mindset itself, I feel like it's the GPS that you have to put in. You know something. Right. For the car to actually move, for the car to actually go towards a direction, for you to even know how to steer the wheel. Right. Like you don't even know where you're going, and I think that's very misleading. A lot of turn, a lot of times, like entrepreneurship is like people go in it with the mentality of like I'm going to go in it because I want to make money. Right. But I feel like it's the opposite. At least in my opinion, in the last couple of years, is I don't think if you go into it just wanting to make money, it's it wouldn't be the wrong ideology, but it's just a wrong mindset to start with. Right. Because you actually have to lose a lot more money than you yeah. are <laughs> Yeah, in lot. the first few years at least. And going back to uh, YouTube University or, you know, what you see on the Internet and here, you know, what I've learned is that people are going to tell you the good. Right. They don't want you to see the bad or the hard times. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they got the guys out there on social media, on the Internet. They'll they're telling you how easy it is, but the easy. But then they're forgetting the hard part to get to the easy. Right. Yeah. The system, the the concept of what they're doing is easy. Right. And with the proper mindset being one of the one of the things, but with the right direction and systems and processes, it can be very, very hard. And until you get those in place to run and operate a business smoothly, um, it, it, it's a lot. You could put it, you have to put in a lot of work and, you know, just uh, on wholesaling, right? It's like every, all over the YouTube, hey, wholesaling is the best, easiest way to get into real estate. You know, it's no money down, doesn't cost you anything. You know, we could make money without having to spend any money. It's an infinite ROI. <clears throat> and then you get into it and you're like, I'm driving around, driving for dollars and yeah. calling people. Well, I still have to find these people's phone number before I knew anything about the free skip tracing. I was skip tracing, which cost money. And of course it wasn't much, but, and then I'm texting all these people like one mm-hmm. at a time. And like, that's super time consuming. Like, and very just kind of like, like a, I don't know, for me, like, it was like a whole mental, like, block, like, dude, this is just so draining. By the time I even get somebody that even is, might be interested, it's like, I don't even, and then I don't even know what to say. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're too tired to yeah, talk like, to them. Okay. So then, then you go to like the next stage. Okay. Let me buy uh, a system or something, maybe a little course or something. And, but, with all of that being said, you know, 
entrepreneurship is not easy. It's, it's a lot of hard work. And if you don't do it right, you could waste a lot of money. Um, systems and processes. If you're one of those people, those are, that's like, in my opinion, that's like the most important thing is to have system and processes in, in your business. So it operates smoothly and you could put it on autopilot, which is what we've been working on for the past year. Yeah. Um, and you know, we've been doing it without having any previous knowledge of doing it. Just trying this, trying that a lot of trial and error, a lot of wasted money. Yeah. But, and I love that perspective because when people use the word failure, because mm-hmm. what I say now, like everyone talks about failing forward, but if you don't really redirect your definition of what failure is, because for us now it's feedback. It's like, Oh, that didn't work. Maybe I won't do that. And I, I'll do this or I'll do this a little differently. Mm-hmm. So enable for you to even have a system and process in place, which it sounds like it took you a couple of years, even just wholesaling to develop a system to want to put the system in place, right? Mm-hmm. To now shorten your time of all the mistakes that you used to make. Right. And now do you feel that it's cut the curve a little bit more so that there is an actual potential for your business to like hockey stick growth. Right. You know, scale. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what does that system and process look like? Did it start with the mindset? It's like, Hey, what I'm doing is not working. I have to fix it. And then how do you get from that limiting mindset, which is that belief of like, man, I'm a fucking failure. Cause some days, honestly, things don't work out and I sit on the floor and I'm literally like, I'm a fucking failure. And then I have to coach myself out of that negative mindset and that self-talk, that self-doubt, that self-everything it's super critical. It's super harsh, right? Right. Because only you see yourself that way. So I'm, I'm just curious about, you know, with your past mm-hmm. knowledge and to now with your systems and process, what has that like, what has that looked like for you? Well, uh, in a mindset space, my days of I'm a failure or I suck they're really not days. They're more like short spurts of like maybe an hour or two. Yeah. And it's because of, I know where I came from mm-hmm. and the troubles and trials and the setbacks that I've had in my life, which some of my setbacks have actually been, you know, I think the reason why I've been able to succeed um, as much as I have in the past, you know, three or four years, um, Due to, you know, being all the way at the bottom and having really nowhere to go except up and wanted to do better than what got me to where I was previously. So at when at my lowest, right? And even at my lowest, I still had a mind, my mindset and my lowest, uh, you haven't brought it up yet, but, you know, was me going to prison. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to prison. I was in you know, in prison for like four years because of drugs and, you know, I had drug history, whatever. But even in prison, every day was striving to be better, you know, with the understanding, like, I'm going to get out and I'm going to make a bunch of money and everything's going to be okay. Like, I'm going to be successful. I know, you know, my mind is to succeed and nothing else. And I've already had the biggest setback in my life which was going to prison, being away from family and friends for four years to mm-hmm. getting out and starting from nothing, but knowing that I'm going to succeed. I, I know that I'm going to do something that's going to be worthwhile. 
And, you know, even though that I've been successful uh, in a sense, I still had a lot of trials. I still burnt a lot of money making mistakes. And so to answer your questions, just always in my mind, I don't, it's not like the positive or negative mindset. It's just like kind of almost being in a position where you have to do something. So if you have a limited mindset, which I still have limited mindset every day. I mean, I think everybody does. Nobody's, mm-hmm. you know, nobody's just like super uber freaking, maybe yeah. they are, but <laughs> positive about everything. But I've been, I've had peace in the midst of storms. Um, you know, with everything going crazy around me, it's like knowing that this time is going to pass. I'm going to keep pushing forward, being consistent in what I'm doing and having the systems that I've put in place, even though they're still not perfect, mm-hmm. or maybe that's just me because I'm like, I want things to be perfect. But, uh, you know, going through my wholesale business, I would tell my business partner, Ben, like, dude, we need to have something in place. We have all this data. We don't know what to do with. We don't know where it is. We don't know who we contacted. We don't know anything. We don't have any KPIs. Like we have to put something in place mm-hmm. so we could track all this. We probably have, you know, 10, 20 deals that are just like we've missed because of that. Mm-hmm. So that's forced us to put things in place that wouldn't help us track everything and just work everything a little more smoothly. And mm-hmm. still today, it's still growing and still a process. So so how are you seeking to solve that problem with the lack of system and process in place? Um, so I'm seeking to solve the problem just by, well, we're working on it every day to, like everybody has a system and processes and you know, you have, you have systems that you could buy, mm-hmm. right. That will, you know, help you streamline your business, but you still have to put it in. It's still, you still have to put it in to fit your business. Right. I think that's where we're at today. We're using systems and we're building out um, SOPs and processes so that we, whenever we're, because we're growing, so we're bringing on people, so they need to know how we operate, right? From acquisition to disposition, if we're talking about real estate. Um, Now that we have a software company selling an AI-powered platform, it's, you know, the sales, upfront sales, marketing sales, you know, then closing, then onboarding, and then, you know, nurturing that, Mm -hmm. that client. So those processes are, you know, it's a process to build out the process. Um, that's it. It's like, everything's a process. So it's just, it's just getting, it's either, you can do two things, right? You're either smart enough to do it and you're going to spend some time to figure it out or you got enough money to burn. And even if you don't have, if you don't think you have enough money to burn, you have, have some money or to spend some money to somebody to do it because your time Mm -hmm. is more valuable than anything, especially as an entrepreneur, like every day counts Mm -hmm. every day The you know, you, you have to make money today. Tax season comes around every year. Right. So -hmm. if you're not making money to, you know, pay the, to pay the man or whatever it is that you're doing with your money, it's like, you're just burning money. So if you could shorten your time and your learning curve by, you know, buying, courses or hiring people that mm-hmm. know what to do, learning how to delegate. Um, those are areas that I've had to learn and grow in myself yeah. over the course of the past three years. Do you feel like if you never went to prison, you wouldn't have achieved this level of success where you're at now because you were, would have been comfortable with whatever life that you had with the money from drugs, I assume? 
Well, I still had a career. I had I was a pipe fitter in the oil refinery for 15 years, and I was making good money. I think the year that I actually got in trouble, I made 150000 which at the time was great. And even today, it's not like phenomenal, but for people that are regular nine to five guys, mm-hmm. that's still pretty good money. Yeah. $150,000, $200,000 a year, that's good money. Um, you know, to your question, no, I would be, I think I would still be in that position. I would be higher up, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be a general foreman or I'd be a project manager, somebody in an office rather than being in the field mm-hmm. just because of my experience and my knowledge and, um, you know, I was pretty good. So, yeah. uh, yeah, but I would be there and I would be working nine to ten, nine to nine or nine to, you know, nine to five, whatever it is, five, yeah. six, seven days a week being away from the family. So yes, I would definitely be there. I think maybe with a couple, like, you know, maybe do a couple flips on here and there, maybe own mm-hmm. a couple rental properties. But for the most part, my life would be work. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's the comfort. I actually don't like how now 150, 200 doesn't sound like a lot of money anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just because social media kind of glamorized entrepreneurship and only the ones that make like a mil plus a year, it's highlighted. Right. And it makes the rest of people that are on the come up feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest problem I see nowadays is that everyone wants to sell that core, sell that feeling mm-hmm. of freedom, of options, of, you know, stability, right? It's that's why they're selling the courses because they're selling you the ideologies attached to those things that the money supposedly can solve for you. And I think 200000 a year is still a lot and it's more than sufficient for a family of like four or five to live off of, depending right. on Lifestyle. what you do with your life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, you know, buying a Rolex every weekend, probably not. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, right. You know, that, that would be like uh, three or four of those. And then that's it. Yeah. It's spent out for the year. <laughs> but what was your biggest lesson that you got from prison that really shaped you as a person and as an entrepreneur to come out with that winning mindset of like, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to be successful. Like, what was that four year like for you? Um, so, you know, <clears throat> it goes a little farther than four years. My you know, throughout my entire existence, I've been in church and grew up in church and have had a relationship with Christ. And then, you know, of course, a lot of people, I think they they fall off. You know, some people call it fall off the wagon, right? You go astray. Like there's stories in the Bible that talk about, you know, they've strayed away from their father and then eventually they came back. Um, so that that was... I believe the main, my main vein in there was learning more about that and being in touch with that, my faith and growing that and understanding that. And then my, my second vein was I was like a sponge. I wanted to learn everything. Now I had genres of things I want to learn, real estate, business. You know, I learned out of, like I took courses uh, anything that they offered in there, I took. I learned how to type in there, like, you know, like type and not look at the keys, not <laughs> but really what? type. Prison <laughs> so, sounds kind of fun. It sounds. <laughs> yeah, fun, right? Uh, I was super in shape, you know, and learned how to use Excel, just learned how to use just programs on the computer. 
and then just learn business in general. I think I probably read, you know, 200 books. So I was in there about real estate and business and just all of the above on top of, you know, the other books I was reading, including the Bible. But throughout my entire time in there was learning a skill that I could use when I get out. And I think all of that, like people ask me, like, how long you been in real estate? I'm like, well, in my mind, like five or six years, but really like two. Yeah. (laughs) That's because I like inundated myself with, you know, information. And even when I got out, I think the first month I got out, I'm like, okay, I'm going to wholesale. I like, well, I didn't know what to do. I just went online and started researching stuff. And it was like, oh, you should wholesale properties. And I was talking, I actually had two friends of mine that, Mm -hmm. I was in prison with that are really successful. Um, one's a developer out in uh, Northern California. He develops huge, like um, huge uh, neighborhoods, and he's been doing it for twenty years. And then another friend, he's in uh, Phoenix. He owns, uh, you know, we buy ugly houses. I think it's a home investor franchise or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these guys, I actually spent a lot of time with, and I learned a lot of stuff from them. And that was another thing I did in there. I was always finding the per- people because I was in the feds, so there's a lot of white collar in the feds. Mm-hmm. So I was always finding the people that were successful in their own right in their business, uh, and a lot of people was real estate related, and we just learned as much as I could from them. And they would tell me, you know, it's it's easy, right? It's easy as long as you follow the steps, as long mm-hmm. as you follow the process. So whenever I got out, it's like, okay. And I went and made, right before COVID shut mm-hmm. down the country, I went and made an offer on my first property. Went and looked at it and walked it with the agent and then mm-hmm. made him an offer. It didn't get accepted, but that was like my first little, yeah. you know, taste. And after that, it fell off because I started a company that sold COVID-related items. Yeah. Like, oh, like the PPE stuff? PPE. Um, we made, you know, we made all of our money on the COVID test kits. Mm. Yeah. We made, well, we made a, a pretty nice chunk uh, on some masks, but most of it was COVID test kits. We got a distributorship um, for a test kit company out yeah. of New Jersey. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just, it was really good for a while. So yeah. Yep. I think those opportunities are, what, what's the quote? It's like, it's when luck meets opportunity. It's how mm-hmm. money is made. Right. And the four years you spent in prison, you're pretty much gathering your ammunition. Because mm-hmm. that's like your your incubation period, I feel like. Right. Because now it, it kind of sucks now because people want to get so much more knowledge. That's why they're paying for extra knowledge. Mm-hmm. But they don't have the execution window. You know, because sometimes life like pulls you back a little bit. And it sounds like that was the perfect time for you to get pulled back. This is when the universe is like, hey, let's recalibrate you a little bit, throw you in prison, make you super fucking smart and ripped <laughs> and get your <laughs> mindset together. Yeah. Right. And then when you came out, I feel like you went like Spartan mode on that shit. Right. It's like, it doesn't really matter what I do anymore. Like, I'm going to succeed and I'm going to fucking win this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think you're right about the luck, uh, a little bit of luck or. Yeah. I would call it. I would call it being blessed, like my dedication to mm. the Lord, right? Yeah. But open up the doors, and then, <clears throat> you know, they're always like everybody, and I'm talking about successful people. They all tell you the same thing. You mm. you can learn anything and everything that you want, but you're not gonna do go anywhere unless you take action. Right. You yeah. have to take action. You have to do it every day, and you have to be consistent about it. And if something's not working, you have to be willing to make the change. So 
whenever I got out, you know, it was just guy. I was hitting the halfway house. The guy calls me. It's like, hey, man. Or he's, I'm talking to him. And he's like, hey. He's like, I got these masks. He's like, everybody needs them, and I know where to get them. I'm like, really? He's like, he mm. told me a price. I'm like, okay. So I literally, I took the phone book, mm. and I just started calling and just trying to sell masks one after the other. What? Yeah. And, you know, that kind of, that threw me into a working like 16 hours a day, just trying to, just like being a super broker, mm -hmm. right? Trying to, find, trying to find people that wanted it and then trying to find the product. Oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. And then go and yeah. try to find it, right? Um, and then I got established. I got a company. And then I actually started, and then I found the source. Um, and then I, you know, buyers would tell me, and I would say yes. And when, whenever we know we had the products secured, then we would take the money. It's kind of like a dropship type thing. Yeah. Um, and this was with millions of dollars, right? Hundreds yeah. and thousands of dollars. And uh, then we got a distributorship with, and I say we, because through the process, I uh, linked up with a, one of my business partners. Mm -hmm. His name's Dr. Ash. And he was my partner in RKL Suppliers, which mm -hmm. is our supply company for. So he 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 secured the distributorship, and I was kind of like the sales end, you know, mm. of the operation. Um, yeah, and then it was kind of all all she wrote. We did really well for two years. Yeah, um, and then then I started investing in real estate. Wow, that's so crazy! I didn't even know you just. Well, how long ago was that that you had a phone book though? Well, that was in 2020, right before COVID. Those actually existed? Yeah, it was at the halfway house. <laughs> <laughs> Any Gen Z that's listening is like, what the fuck is a phone book? <laughs> what are the yellow right. pages? The yellow pages, yeah. <laughs> and I might not have had a phone book. It might have been yeah. online. But yeah, yeah, it was It was literally just going down a list of numbers and just calling. Yeah. Just calling. That's some crazy persistence you had, man. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah, it was, well, I was at this position where... I had no where nothing else to do. COVID mm. shut down. So my original plan whenever I got out of prison mm. was open up a company that was called Can Caddy. And mm. what Can Caddy is is it's like a it's like a trash can caddy service where I or my company would come to your house mm. and pull your trash cans to the street for you on the days that the street runs or the trash runs. And then we also would clean them out if you want us to clean them out like once a month. Yeah. Right. Um that was the kind of business plan. But then when I got to Vegas, I noticed that the driveways are like two foot long. Like who's going to pay for that? Yeah. Right. Super lazy people. No. Yeah, I guess so. Super right? wealthy people, maybe. Yeah. Busy people, whatever. Yeah. But I was like, I didn't really see the opportunity and maybe I wasn't looking hard enough, but mm -hmm. I figured that would be a like, and then, and then the amount of HOAs that I realized mm -hmm. were here, um, was another hurdle. Um, you know, so anyways, that was the plan. And then to also get back into pipe fitting, which here in Vegas, they have a union. Mm -hmm. I forget the number, but I went and took my written test, passed it. And then I was waiting to take my hands-on test. And then COVID happened, so they shut down the union hall. So I was like, no work. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I have a nice resume for what I do. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going, driving around freaking, I'm going all over town, going to restaurants, going to uh, grocery stores, Freaking uh, stupid, mm. <laughs> what's that, Trader Blows, Trader <laughs> Joe's? Uh, they they didn't want to hire me. I'm like, are you serious? 
you want to hire me? Like, look at my resume. Like, I'm well, well, I could do this job no problem yeah. and probably make it better. Um, and then it was like, okay, well, I guess I wasn't mm. happy enough for him. Yeah, you didn't have to trade yeah, your Joe's I attitude. Didn't have that. Hi, <laughs> hi. <laughs> I love those people. Every time yeah. you buy something, they're like, "Oh my god, I love this!" Like, yeah. you should try it with this. And I'm like, "Oh god." <laughs> my wife loves that store, uh, yeah. and it's got good food. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, not bashing on Trader Joe's, but yeah. uh, no, I'm a fucking Trader Joe's horror man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got some good stuff, but yeah, I mean, I couldn't get a job anyways. Anyways, yeah. the guy calls me. You know, I started doing research about real estate and stuff, and. And the guy calls me and then it was just, uh, that was, that was the start. I yeah. Guess. Sometimes that's what entrepreneurship is. It's right. Like Googling how to make money and right. trying to do what the internet tells you until <laughs> you figure it out. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so crazy. Um, you know, when we were talking offline about relationships and I was talking to someone else with kids, mm-hmm. right. And they're like, you know, in the age that we're coming up on, which is the last five, 10 years apparently, but now it's more predominant with the use of AI. Everyone's using AI assistant. Everyone is using some sort of chat TPT bot, but what they were worried about is their kids. It's, you know, the relationship dynamics. Mm. And because now this generation, I feel like we're all raising, or not me, but people are just raising iPad kids. Mm. Do you have a fear since I know you have kids that with the way we're using it to optimize businesses and just our personal daily life as an entrepreneur, that it's going to affect the kids in some kind of way to where they won't be able to have conversations like human conversations with other people. That all falls back. Um, I strongly believe this on the parent. So it's your you're a parent for a reason. Like you're going to raise your kid. You're not, kid's not just going to come out the womb, just be doing its own thing. Right. But those parents that aren't present, um, that don't instill some type of morals and then some type of skill and raise their kid in a way that's not just putting them in front of a screen, um, just to shut them up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like <clears throat> my wife, she takes the kids they outside all day, all morning. They do like learning. They're two and three. They learn in the morning in the playroom and then they go outside and they play and then whatever. And then they do have, you know, we do watch TV, like learning shows and stuff. But in front of like putting them in front of a screen, like an iPad is something that we've decided amongst ourselves that we're not going to do like that's not going to be a thing like we're going to find something for them to do they're going to i got a big old climbing wall it's about this tall mm-hmm. uh in the playroom so they can go and i got a climbing wall in the backyard yeah. and just a bunch of stuff that's active mm-hmm. that they can go do so <clears throat> but to your point yes i think we've already kind of gotten to that point a long time ago maybe not a long time ago but at least years ago maybe 10 where kids are just they're just stuck in their phone they're stuck Mm -hmm. on whatever it is that they're doing their their social interaction has dropped and they would much rather text somebody than talk to them on the phone much less be with them in person Mm -hmm. um so yeah and and it just it all falls back you you have society and then you have the parents as to how much they're going to allow society to raise their kid Mm -hmm. right so it's it's being present in my opinion and you know what what you instill in them is yeah. how they're going to grow up but yes to your point people are becoming more and more um unsocial detached from that because mm-hmm. of the and then AI you know AI is a great tool I use it in my business I actually sell a product that is powered mm-hmm. by AI and it's 
it is super it's it's impersonable, but it is personable because it could actually mm-hmm. hold a conversation with you. It's yeah. it could pick up the phone and call you. That's what we use it for, conversational mm-hmm. AI. Uh, you know, they have AI products out there called uh, one called Pi.ai, mm-hmm. and it's like super friendly. Like you could pull it up on your phone and you text it, and it's like super friendly text. Like if you're having a hard day, it's really interesting, and that could be. Mm-hmm. Now, it still takes you away from reality, mm-hmm. but people can use these some of these tools to, especially lonely people, to, you mm-hmm. know, have what seems to be a friend on the other end. Um, I was talking to a lady yesterday. Oh, we were having a sales call with my product, right, appointmate.ai, and she was interested in the AI tools that we use, and she does assisted living. And she said a lot of her you know, people that stay in there are really lonely. She's like, I wonder how I could use this to where this thing can call them and talk to them. Cause these, these people that are in there, they don't have anybody else, right? Yeah. They're on a lot of people are either they're just family just doesn't talk to them, whatever the case may be. They're old, they're lonely and they're just kind of just waiting to die kind of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have these tools that I was telling her about specifically Pi AI and then our conversational cool where you could talk, and it's like talking to somebody real. Um, so she was like, man, that would be, I think that would be really helpful for these people because it's now they're not in their mind, right? They could actually yeah. talk to something. Um, so there's, you know, with everything, there's good and bad, right? There's, you know, if, if you use it the wrong way mm-hmm. and if you abuse it and if you don't put it in, in, in its proper place, then yes, it can be used for what you don't want it to be used for, like what you're talking about. Yeah. Bringing people from reality out of reality, right? Yeah. I find that to be super funny. We live in a paradox to where before we used to use technology to help systematize our lives. And now that there's a dependency, we're trying the other way to develop, again, communication skills. And it's like this whole circle where, you know, have you seen the movie WALL-E? The uh, Disney movie. I don't know if you and your kids have watched it. The little guy that runs the little around. robot. It's a cartoon. It's a yeah. little cartoon. Yeah, yeah. And it's such an, a realistic depiction of where America is going because everyone's going to have VRs. Mm-hmm. Everyone is ordering Uber Eats glued to their screen, and it it that movie came out so long ago, but it's one of my favorite movie just ever, just because it's so realistic to where how far is AI going to take us? Because we mm-hmm. are using it to our advantage. You're using it for business. Mm-hmm. So now I think Josh sent me Victoria yesterday. Oh, yeah. 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 Wow. That was crazy. huh? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I was watching her. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, Josh, if you're ever watching this, like, that shit is freaky, man. Yeah. Super cool, dude. How yeah. crazy you guys have developed these softwares to be so lifelike and you know, now you've, you've seen those AI um, Instagram models. Now they're making money off of AI generating Oh, the AI influencers, yep. AI influencers. I was just looking at a thing last night on that. And we're all, all already, I know you probably have, or thinking, how I was am I going to make money like, off of this? How could I create an influencer? So yeah. She, <laughs> <laughs> Me and my, one of my tech bro friends, exactly like the minute I saw that, I was like, how the fuck do we capitalize on this? Because we right. want to use it, obviously make money, not to abuse it and any sort of way to right yeah it's not going to save us from existential loneliness or something you know yeah but that capability that it has and how far removed we are from reality sometimes feels unreal to me mm-hmm. is now more than ever you're not even taking your own appointments anymore 
right? right? Because the AI is doing your work. Yeah. It's calling your leads, it's doing all of your cold call. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that? Yeah, that's what we use it for. And yeah. uh, we use it kind of that for that reason as well, because VAs, I'm not bashing on VAs, but I haven't had any good luck with VAs outside of VAs that are just like, like office VAs. But for cold calling VAs, mm-hmm. like in the real estate business, especially if you're in a wholesale, you need to, to, to scale, you have to be able to call. And to call, you need people. And the cheapest people that you have are people overseas or somewhere not mm-hmm. in America. That's the only way that it makes sense. Now, those people are still human and they still have human, they still make human mistakes. They mm-hmm. still have, you know, uh, things that they can't do. They still have limited knowledge. Um, you know, speaking about people that are in other countries, they have the language barrier. Mm-hmm. Then you have the whole time it takes to train that person, right? And then hopefully that person stays with you and is trainable and you're not wasting a bunch of time and money, Mm -hmm. you know, getting those people on board and then for them to either quit or not work out, whatever the case may be. Well, using the AI to do that, which is like a task that's very mundane and it's very irritating. A lot of people don't like doing it. It's kind of hard to have a tool that can call – you know, a thousand times more than a VA for the same price or maybe a little more um, is, you know, it's kind of almost invaluable, especially if you're, if your numbers are still working out to be the same, if you're calling 7,000 people and you're closing three deals um, and it costs you two grand because you're using a VA, that's okay. That's cool. But if you're calling 7,000 people closing three deals, but it only costs you 300 bucks, yeah, that's a way better deal now, and that and that could be done in two days as opposed to a month. You call seven thousand people in seven minutes. Um, a VA is going to take you a whole month, mm-hmm. right? So let's say, let's call seven thousand people every day, and if we have the good good data, then there's a possibility we can close, yeah. get three deals under contract. So that's that ROI is crazy. Yeah, how are you tracking your KPIs with all these calls? So we utilize the uh, uh, our system or our platform, which is built off a of go high level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we submit all of our contacts. We put them in there, and then <clears throat> the KPI is tracked inside of there. Like you know, we know how many people we call because we're gonna just call it once, right? Right now, today, and then maybe we'll call it again tomorrow. And then once that call, it so once somebody picks up the phone. It has the conversation after the phone call, then there's a transcription of the call that comes in and then it uses ChatGPT to summarize the notes and then it sends you a message and then it takes them out of that particular workflow mm-hmm. so you don't call them again. And then <clears throat> it'll send me a message like, hey, you need to follow up this person. Hey, book appointment. But all that's tracked within the system. Yeah. So you know how many calls you're making. Um and you know how many text messages you're receiving, how many people are answering the phone, how long they're on the mm. phone for. So all of that is trackable within the system. Yeah. How um, how are you scraping data? So we also use a tool, an AI-powered tool called Axiom.ai. Mm-hmm. And this thing's pretty cool because it could pretty much scrape data from anything, and it could do anything. Like if you wanted to start posting on your Instagram story, it could do that. If you wanted to go mm-hmm. comment on somebody else's 
Instagram post. It could do that. Um, and then on the other side, if you wanted to go on the county website and scrape the data from the website that you want the pre-foreclosures or foreclosure list, it could do that. And then mm. it could take that data and do whatever else you want it to do with it. Like us, we'll scrape data from, um, instead of downloading lists, we'll scrape the data and then we'll put it on a, a Google Sheets and then it automatically starts emailing. Yeah. So, so and they could do that with, you know, any other thing. Like you could scrape they got they got ones that are built out just go scrape LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Like um if you're doing business to business, you go scrape LinkedIn and get profiles and email addresses and start and then you can have it contact them. So it's mm-hmm. it's a setup process. I mean, you have to have somebody that knows a little bit about tech and coding, but you could build these little bots out. Mm-hmm. Watch a few videos on how to do it and then set it on autopilot. Mm. Right? Yeah. So as an entrepreneur, I'm hearing like a lot of the system and processes are replaceable and that humans eventually in these roles are very replaceable, mm-hmm. right? Because what AI has given us is very invaluable, like you said. So what do you think the top three skills that someone should have to move forward in the next 10 years with the way technology and AI is going and that most jobs are going to be replaceable? I think anybody with that can from now forward gain as much knowledge as they can about in AI and how to use it in their business or anybody's business, or just if you're a, if you're an employee, how to use it to maximize your output. You know, if you're somebody that codes a coder, AI can code for you. They have actually programs that are AI powered just for coding. Now that can do what you need done that take you three weeks can do it in, you know, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> you have to. So, with that said, you have to know how to prompt. Prompting is huge um, in the space of AI because prompting, being able to understand how to talk to the system or the AI to get it to do what you want it to do, the better your output, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the better you can explain or tell this thing and give it examples, the better the product is that you're trying to put out. If you're somebody in a office space that has to put together marketing emails or emails just in general for whatever it is that you're doing inside of your company that you do all this often instead of drafting your along emails mm. right that might take you an hour to draft a nice nice email or whatever it is you could pop this thing into ai and it could do it to you in seconds and then if it doesn't look right uh, just tweak it a little bit yeah and then you can say hey give me 15 different versions of this you know uh, the, you know, there's so many different areas of AI that you could use. It all depends on what line of work you're in. But any professional and any, I think, I think anybody, right? Because if you're just an employee, and any p- employee that's in type, type of office job or has any any type of office needs to be, have office skills, these learning how to use the AI, which I think is pretty easy. Um, once you start doing it, you're going to have, you're going to be way ahead of the curve and you're going to benefit not only yourself, but your employer and you're going to be valuable. Right. And Mm -hmm. then as a business owner, start utilizing it in your business to automate things. Um, you know, for, you know, a lot of people now use the chat bots, the chat bots are getting better because they're AI and then they're prompted better. And then they're Mm -hmm. just getting better at everything. And then we use, um, 
I think now we have it to where it's, you know, it's set so we can, we, I don't think we have it set up yet, but we just got a system where now we're using AI to do all our Facebook ads and all our, uh, you know, messaging on all the social media platforms and it's doing all from within inside of our platform, our CRM. Yeah. So we don't have to do it because it's, you know, as a business owner, <clears throat> you have so many different channels of messaging, right? Mm-hmm. You got Telegram, you got Instagram, you got Messenger, mm-hmm. you got WhatsApp, you got this, you got that. So having it all centralized in one location and then not only having it centralized, but also having something that you have prompted to almost mimic you, right? You could build these things out. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Hunter, yeah. um, he he teaches a course on how to build out AI personas, and now he builds mm-hmm. out GPTs, right, which yeah. is a cool feature that ChatGPT just came out with. Um, and you could build these things out to sound and respond like you. So you could, you know, you could take all of your emails from the past 10 years, how you responded in those emails, put them in a file, load them up, and mm-hmm. now this thing's going to know how you react and how you talk and how you want to sound to whoever yeah. it is that you're talking to. So whenever it's writing an email for you, it's actually sounds and it has the same kind of style as you. Mm-hmm. That's huge, right? I mean, the possibilities are endless. So anybody that right now moving forward starts implementing as well as learning AI tools in whatever business they're in, it's going to be extremely beneficial to them. Cause right now we're like 1997 internet, <laughs> you know, yeah. except we're moving at a much higher rate of speed, but don't be the guys that are still using the fax machine, right? You know, yeah. get with the times, pick up, pick up these tools that are there for you to use and make you better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would be my advice to anybody yeah. that's got anything to do with anything. It's funny because in the beginning of it, a few years ago, when everyone started using ChatGPT and before all the prompts and the bots actually existed and nothing was personalized, like you can tell who's using it for what, especially in the last year that automation on social media was a thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone's posts are sounding the same because it wasn't personalized. And now, you know, in this age to where it's the biggest transfer of wealth and you need to talk to more business owners, for example, right? Like you're talking to people that want to sell you their house. How much of that you feel like it still needs a lot of personal touches that like, what do you think we have as a human race that AI can never take over? Nothing. AI all the way, baby. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's going down. They're coming for you. Um, <laughs> Nothing. You see, no, I robot. Yeah. It's going to be like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't care you know, how much you personalize uh, any machine. It's still a machine, right? And they're... <clears throat> Like I was saying, they're still they're getting so good, but there's always going to be the human emotion, the human factor. You know, some people could pick it up in the voice, like a, the conversational AI. As good as they they sound, uh, people could still pick it up in the voice. Like there's just no emotion behind it, right? Even though I was playing some the other day, and it the guy, the AI agent mm-hmm. legitimately sound concerned about this gentleman that was about to lose his house due to foreclosure. Right. What? Yeah. He was like, yeah, he was like, Oh man, I don't think, uh, yeah, I think I could, I could probably play it, but, um, yeah. So, but yeah, there's never, it's never going to replace. Oh, well, I'm not going to say never. I think eventually you're not going to be able to tell mm-hmm. and you're almost there now. Right. But you still have that human we have souls and spirits, right? 
for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Because we're human, and there's that human interaction that you can never uh, replace. Yeah, you know, b- from that. So yes, you're, it's going to get really good, but no, you can't replace that, and it's still important as a business owner. You know, personal brand nowadays is huge, right? I'm trying to build mine. I don't have much of a personal brand, but <clears throat> I'm trying to build that because it's important because people want to do business with people, mm-hmm. right? You have the big businesses. Everybody knows the big businesses. But on a more real level, the mass of people want to want to do business with people that they can relate to and they feel like they understand, like the guys that are all on social media, the big guys on social media, especially like in real estate and business, mm-hmm. they do so good because of their social media presence. People feel like they can connect. People feel yeah. like they, you know, they relate to this person. I um, mean, they see them so much on social media, they almost feel like they know them. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's huge. Um, and that that I don't think you could ever take away. Although I can take a picture of myself and then throw it into an AI (laughs) and have it start talking for me, but it still doesn't have that. Yeah. The human factor, but yeah. 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 I do believe that social media is the new resume because now people don't even ask for your resume anymore. They haven't in the last, from what I've known, like 10 years, at least maybe five Mm -hmm. realistically. Cause the first time, if you are introduced to someone, what do you do? You pull up or you try to pull up their IG. Yeah, well, they ask me. I'm I'm getting used to that. Which yeah. IG? I'm like, dude, give me your phone number. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like a lot of that because we're wired. Maybe we're from a different generation where we weren't used to our phones. Right now, it's all these blink cards and all these digital transfers, which mm-hmm. I know we have to get used to going with the wave. You know. Yeah. But I feel like there's still something so personal about just giving someone your number, and there's just that uncertainty that's so like awesome. Mm-hmm. Because now the better you get at sales and marketing and building your funnel and your online presence, sometimes when I see someone that's too polished online, I still don't have a true connection with them. Right. Then someone that I'm like, maybe I just want to work a lot harder, just getting someone's number and then texting them and then waiting for them to call me, like a seller, for example, and then mm-hmm. calling them, getting them on the phone and really connecting with them. And I feel like I know them more than if they were to send me their fucking blink card or something. Right. And it's somewhere in between that I think I've lost grasp of reality and where it's actually really going versus having a truly honest, old fashioned handshake, you know. Maybe a business card. I don't know. I don't have business cards, but exchanging yeah. number and really just doing business with someone just because you like the integrity and you like their character. Right. Versus how pretty their like LinkedIn profile is. That's mostly now I know it's mostly AI generated. Their blinks and all of their um, intellectual property. I feel like it's really important. That's why content creation is king now. Mm-hmm. Because now anyone can look you up and anyone can literally tell you what you said like two years ago. Right. From a Facebook post or something. And crucify you for it. And crucify you for it. But I'm like, you know, people do grow. <laughs> and you get so limited in terms of what you want to post nowadays because you're like, oh, it's not on brand, but I just want to sit around and post memes all day and just have fun. You know, like life is, is so hard already and we're all out here. We're all trying to grind and do business as entrepreneurs. We're all taking losses and shit. And everyone that you want to open up Instagram is just like, oh, I just made a million dollars today. You're like, well, now I feel like shit. I'm going to turn off my phone. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> But somewhere in that is like exactly where our culture is right yeah. now. It's kind of like that comparison syndrome that you can't help but look. And then if you don't look, then you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how we are so disconnected. But at the same time, we're like more connected than ever. Right. Because you can find out anyone what 
whatever they're doing in their business and their life at any time. Yeah. That's like so much fucking power. It's like too much power for me, man. Or yeah. It's or the illusion stuff. of what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I've uh, had that, you know, uh, what is that? What do they call that? When it's like, you see people like thriving on social media and like, uh-huh. Oh man, I wish I was doing that. Yeah. And then like, you like, like you're missing out on something, but yeah. <clears throat> like I've had friends like, uh, they're great on social media, right? And then I go over to their house or I'll talk to them like mm-hmm. old friends. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's up? Like totally different on social media, bro. You got to put together yeah. and then you ain't got nothing put together. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, hey, yeah. well, look, it's working for you on social media, bro. Um, but yeah, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. Like the whole digital thing. And people want to, I'm learning now that it's, or I'm adapting to the whole like, hey, give me your IG mm-hmm. uh, because as a business owner, the more people you have on your IG, the more people see you, the more, you know, that you're able to grow your personal brand and business because of it. Although I don't like just giving out my IG because I feel like IG, I don't I don't spend enough time on like when people message me. It's mm-hmm. not something that I'm always like oh, messaging on. That's why we're setting up. So I'm setting up some automation for that. So, cause I know there's, there's opportunities, yeah. right? With everybody I meet, uh, not, not everybody, but there's, you know, every time we have a networking event, I try to at least, if it's big enough, get at least 10 solid meet, have 10 solid conversations with 10 people. I mean, more people, but I have 10 co- solid conversations that I connect with. And that I think that maybe we can add value to each other. And I like to, you know, I like to, share the number and take a picture with Mm -hmm. them. And so, uh, and then, yeah, I send them my blink cards. I could have all my information and hopefully they have one. So it's much easier to Mm -hmm. download their information rather than (laughs) Google. (laughs) I learned how to type uh, 25 words a minute. (laughs) (laughs) You need to go back to prison and get like maybe up to 75 or something. Yeah, yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I completely uh, get what you're saying. I understand, but yeah, and agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because nowadays you go out, we go to so many networking events, go to so many conferences mm-hmm. that sometimes it you get lost in that delusion of everyone wants to do business with you. But I feel like sometimes I'm like, am I looking at just their social media? And if they're so good at social media, but in real life, I'm like, but I can't really do business with you because we don't really understand each other. Right. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Just, that's just a lock somewhere in there. Right. Yeah. With yeah. with your wife and kids, like when you, as an entrepreneur, like with your kids, um, I think I've talked to her about homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Like I love this topic just because I don't have a lot of friends that have kids that I feel like they're kids, not kids. Mm-hmm. Like your kids are kids. Like they're like climbing, they're doing stuff that naturally how we were raised. We right. were raised with sticks and rocks, throw you outside in the street, come home when the lights turn on. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Don't yeah. get eaten by a raccoon, you know? Yeah. If <laughs> you're thirsty, like, drink out of the hose. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's kind of how we were raised. And with the more coddled society that where Americans are going with mm-hmm. the screen time and all that stuff, do you feel that entrepreneurs are more inclined to homeschool their kids just because we understand that the education system and the institutionalized education doesn't really serve well to nurture the minds in a critical thinking? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've homeschooling. Yes, me and my wife had had that talk several times. I think we even talked about it yesterday. 
um, because we were talking about schools and I said, I met somebody at the gym and they go send their school to this challenge school. I don't know. I've never heard of it, but they, they teach what I call, uh, I don't know if I want to say that, but they teach history as we got taught it in art whenever we were growing up and they don't teach critical race theory and they don't teach common core. So they teach like, I think I, probably how I was taught when I was a kid maybe, but, and they're real, they're kind of real strict. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a hardcore school, but it's like good hardcore, right? Like hardcore in a way Mm -hmm. like strict and to the, like, this is your curriculum. This is your times. This is what you're doing. It's not really lax, which I think is good to have structure, especially in education. If you're being taught the right thing. But with that said, um, yeah, schools nowadays, they don't, teach what I think they should teach and still in the kids. And I think it's because the, the way that the schools are and there's way more kids and they're understaffed, the, the kids don't get that one-on-one that they should, and they don't get taught in a way that's a beneficial or a, in a learning how they learn. Like everybody learns a little different, mm-hmm. right? I'm more of a visual person, like hands-on, like doing it. You know, some people are more like, uh, I need to write everything down and mm-hmm. read it, right? Um, so everybody learns a little differently. So they don't they don't really do that that I know of. <clears throat> so we have talked about homeschooling. And a lot of people that my wife has been talking to, especially people that are successful entrepreneurs, they homeschool their kids because – uh, it's just more flexibility. They get to see them. They get to control what they learn. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, I think it's very beneficial for parents and their kids if they can, if they have the means to do it, to homeschool their kids because they can control yeah. what they learn. And, you know, obviously kids are going to grow up and just like everybody and do what they're going to do, right? They're going to learn and they're going to. They're going to try things. They're going to fail. They're going to get in trouble. They're going to, you know, be corrected. It's like, it's a learning process. That's just part of life. And, but if they have instilled with them good morals and values and, you know, they weren't brought up, you know, fed a bunch of crap mm-hmm. um, about society, you know, let them learn because everybody's perspective on everything is different. But whenever you start injecting, things into them at such a young age, Mm -hmm. that's an issue, right? That's a problem. That's why, yeah, yeah, we are leaning heavily towards, unless we move back to Louisiana, which there's a school down there. It's called um, Jimmy Swagger or what it is called. uh, I think it's called Family Christian Christian Academy. Yeah, it's it's part of Jimmy Swagger Ministries. But Uh um, that's probably the only uh, school that I would want to put my kids in um, outside of homeschool or maybe another Christian school. But yeah. yeah, so to your point, yes, I think yeah. homeschool is the way to go um, for for kids nowadays, in my opinion. Yeah, because I, I do believe in that as entrepreneurs, just because we may not use all the education that we got growing up, too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they just uh, raise a society of workers, Yep. just obedience, follow the rules, do what you're told. Mm-hmm. But they don't really take in consideration like artistic kids and creatives, especially for us as entrepreneurs, we're more creative than anything. Right. And we don't like certain types of disciplines. I think to be disciplined as an entrepreneur is different than to be obedient to society. And those rules don't really apply to 80% of entrepreneurs I know, like you and I and myself. Like right. we 
grew up a little differently against the grain. We got in trouble, but that's how we learned. Right. And it's not really acceptable once you tell people your story. So I really admire that. You know, your prison story. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, when we met, I was like, I, I knew I could be friends with this guy. He's not some, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. he went through some shit, you know, and he yeah. came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you want to share with us? today that we haven't touched on that you feel it's called close to your heart? Mm, I mean, we touched on a lot. I mean, nothing really close to my heart that, uh, that I would want to share, but outside of just like, you know, I don't really know your audience, but if it is, I would assume that entrepreneurs listen to this show and people that want to have a better mindset and, you know, want to live life to their fullest in a sense of like fullest, like healthy and happy, not just fullest as monetarily full. Mm-hmm. Um, although that is great to have and does help. And it's very, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's good to be monetarily stable. Um, but, you know, having goals and visions is something that is kind of become very dear to my heart and, in a sense that knowing where I want to go, truly knowing where I want to go and then mapping out how to get there uh, from business to uh, personal um, and spiritual, you know, is is very, is something that everybody should do and it will help everyone in their journey, wherever that journey may be um, to achieve the things that they want to achieve because now they have something that they could see, Mm. you know, like, GPS, what you said at the beginning of the show, you have to know where you're going to get there, right? And you need to see, you have to have some type of visual of what that looks like, you know, writing it down, have it a picture, you know, vision boards are huge. I thought they were a load of crap. (laughs) I thought they were a load of crap until I actually utilized, um, in a small sense, uh, yeah. I had put a check written out for a hundred thousand dollars on uh, my refrigerator, written to my wife for a Christmas present in the year of twenty. The year I got out, twenty twenty, I got out with nothing. I had four hundred dollars, and by the end of the year, I had you know purchased her a car that was a little over that. But now mm-hmm. you know that, and without even knowing, that came that was in my mind. I saw it every day on the fridge, and that was something I was able to give her. Yeah, you know. So those things work. I don't know how they work mm-hmm. outside of knowing what you want and striving every day to get, get there. Um, and consistency, being yeah. consistent is a, is a message that been preached to me. And I would you know, tell other people that that's, that's really taking action and being consistent mm. for business owners. Yep. Yep. We're all about taking imperfect actions here. Just yeah. gotta get up and do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just want to acknowledge day. you for being here, man. Your integrity as a person, yeah. your stories, while it's very inspiring, and I just want to acknowledge you for showing up authentically today. Oh, thank with you. With your sweater yeah. and your oh, yeah, you didn't, you didn't show us the you know the I didn't show too much cleavage. cleavage. <laughs> I haven't been working out that much, so my to make fun of my, <laughs> my cleavage ain't there today. <laughs> well, guys, that's it for us today. Thank thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, you can find me on IG at Tonosaurus. Or at Fit and Frugal Pod, and you can find Aaron at the underscore Aaron Lambert.
on IG and everything. T H E the. Click the link below. <laughs> yeah, we'll drop it down in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Tanya. I appreciate it. Safe for goal. Yeah. Peace.